Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breitler. We are back. We're back. It's Friday, back. folks. It's Friday. It's uh. Man, we're about to enter into week three tomorrow afternoon. Michigan will take on. Does it feel like it's going by fast? A little bit. We're already in week three. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. We're about to be, you know, a quarter of the way through the season already tomorrow. But, yeah, week three tomorrow, Michigan hosts Northern Illinois. I personally think it's going to be a bloodbath. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Um we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We were talking about this before we went live. Friday's kind of like the loaded day because, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of stuff you would want to talk about kind of naturally pops up like the day before the game. So we got a lot of backloaded stuff here. I'm really liking the way the podcast is coming together throughout the week, and hopefully this Friday show continues to live up to that. So we'll uh, we'll get into it. Uh, right off the bat, I just want to talk about – we're not going to spend a ton of time on it because – uh, we put a story up on it yesterday, but Michigan did pick up a commitment from Mason Graham, 2022 defensive tackle out of Anaheim, California, from Servite High School. Six foot four, 295 pounds. Um, you know, doesn't have the typical look of like the long, lean, freaky athlete, but this kid's an athlete, man. If you put on some of his yeah. clips, like he plays seven on seven a little bit, he he can make somebody miss. He actually goes out and like catches passes and stuff. Not typically what you see out of a three hundred pound interior defensive lineman. Kid's a big time wrestler as well. Which I mean, Michigan's had some success with dudes like that in the past. Mike Martin, maybe most recently and most notably, but a pretty decent commit. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, this is a program changing win on the on the recruiting trail. But he was committed to Boise State. Picked up his Michigan offer just a couple weeks before that Washington day, Washington game. Came in for the official visit and ended up flipping. You know, a couple days later, probably told the staff when he le- before he left, then filled some people in, let it soak in and settle, and then announced it yesterday. So it's a nice get. It's Michigan's first interior defensive lineman in the class. They now have 16 members of the class, and it's rated right around there, 15 or 16 in the country depending on where you look. So don't need to go into much more detail than that, but I guess I'll ask you this way, Chris. Michigan hosted a massive list of visitors, several five-star kids. Obviously, this this Mason Graham had a great time, saw what he saw from the Michigan defense, flipped his commitment from Boise to Michigan. I guess are you surprised that that environment had that kind of impact on him? And then maybe on the flip side, are you surprised that maybe there weren't a little more fireworks coming out of that weekend? Uh, no, to both questions. I'm not surprised that, um, you know, it had an impact on a kid like that, but I'm also not surprised that we haven't seen more come out of it after the weekend. I mean, there, there actually was plenty of smoke around, you know, Damani Jackson and his visit that was there coming off of that weekend. And there were some images of him with the guys. And then obviously you had USC stumble to, uh, to Stanford. So yeah, I mean, it was, I, you guys like you and I will never understand what it's like to be recruited by, you know, a top rated program like this. And then then go into Michigan stadium into that environment and, and to just picture yourself having the opportunity to play there. I mean, it was special for guys like you and I from the press box seeing it. But I think as the days have gone on throughout the week, everybody sort of looked back and was like, man, that was, that was a special night. That was, that was pretty impressive. So no, I'm not surprised. I think, uh, 
I think Michigan, Michigan stadium has the ability to be like that every single weekend. And I think if we're going to ask the players to go out and perform against a team like NIU, like they would Ohio state, then I think it's, it's on the fans to bring that same energy tomorrow as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was an incredible night. I mean, I put, I talked about that specifically in the article. You can check that out at WolverineDigest.com. Um, you know, the, the maze out the flyover, the September 11th stuff, the, the performance, that was, I, I, that was insane. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a stadium before. So, and then obviously the football was pretty damn good. Michigan wins by 21 points. And so it turns into just pretty much a perfect evening. Mason Graham flips. I mean, he, you know, like I said, this kid had two other power five offers. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to sit here and say program changing commitment, but it's a nice piece to build on because Michigan's in good shape with a couple other defensive tackles and Kenneth Grant, who goes about 345 pounds and Dion Walker from cast tech, who also goes about 345 pounds yeah. and they're still hanging around there with Walter Nolan. I don't think there's a whole lot of smoke coming from that. He eliminated Michigan from his top three, but then he's in Ann Arbor this past weekend for a visit and checking everything out that everybody else saw. So, you know, there's, there's some things to build on there in the interior of the defensive line, but uh, a nice little grab, a nice grab for a guy like Mason Graham, who I think to me is more like high, make sure I say it right. High floor, low ish ceiling. Like, I think he's kind of what you're going to get. Like now he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger, but he's, he's stout. He's going to hold down the middle. He's going to press the pocket a little bit as a pass rusher, but he's just going to do his job and be where he's supposed to be and be solid. And he plays against really competition, really good competition out in California too, which is yeah. always a nice thing to see. And his highlight tapes pretty, pretty nice to watch. So check that out. You know, if you haven't already, you know, what stood out to me the most when I saw the commitment come through, the uniform combo yeah. in, the, uh, in the recruit, I mean, the white pants with the blue top. Like, yeah, that's one as we were going through like combo options, that was one that I never even thought would be a possibility because it seemed so off. It did look pretty off in the picture. I wonder if it was like a last minute, like, Hey man, listen, <laughs> we got a pair of white pants here, throw it on. It just, it looked a little bit different, but that, that stood I, out. So I can't imagine they were unprepared with that many kids. They know, white I mean, pants I, with the yellows, the, the, the may stripe down the side. And the, I, I think yeah. they just, I think they just let them put on what they want to put on. You think it looks fire? Put it on. We'll see. And I, guess. I don't know. Yeah, but I did notice that he's doing his pose in the yeah. big house. He's, yeah. You know, he's got the arms up or he was squatting <laughs> down like the prison shot, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, the the blue top with the white pants. I don't know if we'll see that on. I don't field, think we'll ever was, see that in a game. Ever. It was on Mason Graham. All right, let's move into our first segment. I'm excited to unveil some new music. Here we go. Big Ten, big game. Big Ten, big game this week, Chris. There's actually a couple that are pretty decent. They're not actually between two Big Ten teams, though. So that's where this one, you know, it's one of those things. We've talked about this. Do we want to make it for sure only a straight Big Ten matchup? I think it's, I think it's more interesting to just do, you know, the best game that a Big Ten team is involved in. Um... For me, that music's a little loud. I'm going to turn that down. Um, it's Auburn-Penn State. It's Auburn at Penn State. Yeah. To me, that's the most intriguing game this weekend. I think Penn State going into Wisconsin and getting a win already, we know that Michigan has to go to Happy Valley. Every, everybody's expecting that to be a really tough test. Um, Auburn at Penn State, and Penn State is actually favored in that one. I don't know if you've had much of a chance to – kind of look at the two teams but just on the surface hearing about that game you know what kind of thoughts does that give you 
Uh, I don't know. I, it's it's Penn State. It's a primetime game. It's a whiteout. You know, I've, I've seen what, what that environment can do. Um, I put it right up there with like Kinnick at night. You know, it's just a place that you don't want to go. No matter how good of a football team you are, I think they're going to put up a hell of a fight. So, I mean, I'm taking Penn State in this one for sure. I don't know what the spread is. What's, what's the spread? Five. 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 Penn okay. State is favored by five. Uh, Yeah, I'll take Penn State. Tight. Sure. It's tight. It's tight. Our boy Zach Alden, our uh, our our mutual link between Chris and I, uh, yeah. good friend of both of ours. Grew up. You grew up with him. I met him briefly when we were younger. Then went to college with him. Roommate with him. Um, we're actually going to be there that week for Michigan Penn State. We're really excited about that. Yeah. He's coming. A couple other buddies are coming. We're obviously going to work, and then we'll get into some shenanigans. But I'm interested to watch them play a good team in Auburn to see how good they really are. Yeah. Haven't really had a chance to see much of them. I think they played Wisconsin the same time Michigan was playing last yeah. time, so I didn't really get to watch them. And, and you've um, also, you know, you've also got the smoke with Franklin and USC, and yes, it's kind of been yes. floating out around there. So you know, you wonder what type of impact, if any, that's going to have on the game. Are the guys going to be up for it and, and you know looking to make a statement, or is it going to have a negative impact on the locker room? I'm not yeah. sure how things like that, you know, how do, how much does that actually affect the game? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's had to address it a couple times already in the press conferences, and it's his name's always been floated around out there for that job. They just people just think he would do really well in that setting. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. The other one is uh, number eight, Cincinnati at Indiana. Number eight, Cincinnati at Indiana. I mean, again, Indiana thought they were better maybe than they are. This is yeah. a huge test for them. Luke Fickle's name also kicked around a little bit for the whole USC thing. Doesn't seem to be quite the – he's like a Midwest dude like through and through. It's weird, though. James Franklin's a Pennsylvania guy, too. Like, for some reason, though, everybody just thinks he would kill it at USC. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see how that ends up playing out. But since he had Indiana, I mean, what are we thinking about Indiana at this point? I feel the same way that I felt about them going into the year that I don't want to call them a fraud, but I just, I, I don't believe they're as good as what we saw out of them last year. And then you got a team like Cincy coming in. I mean, they're riding high, you know, they're, they're, they're going to join the big 12 conference. You know, they're, they got fickle there. They, they've been playing some really good football and honestly, I think, I, I don't know what the spread is or who's favored, but I'm taking Cincy. Yeah, I didn't write the spread down for this one. That's my bad. I don't know. We do a spread section a little later on, so this one's not exactly supposed to focus on the spread. It's just more kind of a feel. Yeah. What are we thinking about the two teams? But I'm with you, man. I don't know. Like, Indiana, I th I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought they were better than what they played like this year. I mean, Michael Penix, one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, but he's coming off the ACL. He's basically just came back for that Iowa game. Like he hadn't really had an off season, not up to full strength, not up to full endurance, not up to full stamina. And he didn't play very good. He threw two pick sixes against Iowa and hasn't been that good. But Cincinnati has been, they've been punching above their weight for a couple years yeah. now with Luke Fickle. And even though they're going to Bloomington, I think I'm, I think I would ride with Cincinnati too. I'm, again, I don't know the spread number, but I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Indiana gets up for that one. They're defending their home field. And that's a team I feel like they have to feel like they can beat a Cincinnati. I mean, that's not a that's not an SEC opponent. That's right. a Cincinnati. Like right. they they got to be able to beat a team like that in Indiana. But I, you know, Cincinnati's Problem been pretty is, damn good lately. Cincinnati, you know, they feel like they can beat Indiana, and their team's yeah. got a lot of swagger, and that goes a long way. Like I remember watching a couple of their games last. Their season. offense is fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they just play a fun brand of football. 
Yeah, they've got a really talented quarterback, too, Desmond Ritter. He does a little bit of everything, kind of a long strider, fast guy, can really throw the deep ball. So they've got some stuff cooking at Cincy. I thought Indiana had some stuff cooking, too. Maybe not as much, but we'll see tomorrow. We'll see. Okay, Cincinnati favored by three and a half. People are jumping in here, throwing us that. Thank you for that, everybody. That's that's probably what I would have guessed. I would have guessed yeah. it was pretty close, and I think it'll be some something like that. I, if I was betting on, uh, let me let me back up. I would not bet on that game. I wouldn't touch that line with a ten foot pole. I don't really know. Like if Indiana won by three, I'd be like, all right, yep, I could see that. You know, I don't right. think it's going to get away from anybody. I think it's going to be close. But I think if I had to pick, I'd probably I'd probably roll Cincinnati. All right, Chris, you ready? Are you are you ready? <laughs> For this barn burn, let me hear it again. Big Let's hear it. Big oh, I got that too. Should I throw? <laughs> should I throw the sad trombone <laughs> out there? <laughs> Delaware at Rutgers. Bring it ooh, home, ooh. baby. What, what time Bring are we it kicking home. off there? What time are we kicking? Three thirty. So Michigan fans, okay. tune, tune in, tune ooh. in if you want to take out. If you want to see, is it the Blue Hens and they have the Michigan light uniforms, right? Yeah. Yeah, they got the winged helmets, but the weird, it. you know, like the right. like the old muscle car sparkly you know, shade of blue. You know, a game like that, and Ugh. I think I feel Ugh. like we talk about this a lot, but a game like that just makes me feel so much more fortunate to be covering Michigan football. Like, even though NIU is coming to town, we're still going to be in the big house on a Saturday. We're still going to be watching the guys in the winged helmet running around the football field. It's going to be beautiful. Great question. Great question, Logan. <laughs> we didn't get to TFG because we I had our one. technical difficulties on Monday where my computer died out and we never got to it. So, Chris, let's fade out this music. This is an ad lib. We didn't know yep. we were doing this. Throw on there. This fucking guy. I mean, when you talk about this fucking guy, I'm going to go with Jackson Sermon. It's the linebacker ah, from Washington that was talking yes. shit about shutting Michigan down in the biggest way possible. Just no way that Michigan will ever be able to run the ball. All they did was give up 344, 343, and a bunch of touchdowns and made Blake Corum look like a damn Heisman candidate. That's that's my that's my easy hands down TFG. Yeah. I mean that's a this that's a really guy. really solid pick. What came to mind first for me uh was Giles Jackson. I mean his yep. his return to the big house Logan's on it. Was, Everybody Logan was excited it. for it. Every time he touched the ball, everybody let him know. And, and you know, that's what you should expect when you, you know, you transfer to a program, you come back during a prime game. The fans are going to get on you a little bit. But, you know, his his little interaction there with fan going into the locker room. Now, I actually, you know, heard directly from this his mother. Guy. And, and she made some claims that, you know, there were some um, – you know, some things that went, you know, far beyond just, you know, friendly competition that were said to, to Giles Jackson. I don't know how much uh, how much stock I put into that. All I will say is the same thing I said before, that you would never see a guy like Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson. You, you just wouldn't see the guys currently on Michigan's roster doing something like that heading into the locker room. Um, and, and I don't know if this is taking it a step too far, but – We've heard certain players, um, you know, come on and talk to us and talk about energy vampires or culture and things off. And I got to be honest, I feel like Giles Jackson and Joe Milton may have played a part in some of that culture that felt off. I'm speculating. I'm reading the tea leaves based on what I've heard. But 
I, I think it's I think it's it's a good thing for everybody that he's moved on to greener pastures. It's it's speculating a little bit, but we've heard some of the things that were said or reportedly said yeah. by Joe Milton and Giles Jackson on their way out. So, you know, I don't think it excuses like you said, if some fan got super nasty and took it to a level you just don't need to take it to, that's unacceptable. But Giles well, also unacceptable to scream. Right. I mean, it was just, it's not a good look, man. It's just not let a good me, look. Let me say this. It's hard for me to imagine that somebody in at Michigan stadium among a hundred thousand plus people would be screaming out racial, you know, yeah. saying things like that with thousands of people around you. When, when ha- most of the Michigan team is black, most of the coaching staff is but like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time buying. I have it. a hard time believing it too. But but, I, but I just, if it happened, like it's it's obviously terrible. But again, like his reactions on him, so he's my so team. You, yeah. So you've got the team that you love yeah. with with a bunch of you know with a b- bunch of young black men on the team. Like you said, the staff is very diverse at this point. It's not like it's a it's not like it's a one race crowd. So to right. to just be yelling something like that out at one guy and only one guy responds to it, I I don't know. Yeah. I I just don't yeah. think that's I don't think that's how it went down. But again, if a fan stepped over the line, hope they never come back. Um, and you know, when Giles responded that way, that wasn't that wasn't a very good look either. So it is what it is. I, I'll go with I'll go with Jackson Sermon for writing a check that his butt couldn't cash. You'll go with Giles <laughs> for getting a little too fired up on the way out of the uh, this f-ing the guy the stadium. So there you go, TFG. Thanks, Isaiah. Isaiah, keeping us on track, keeping us on. Somebody's got to track yeah i mean we're we're trying here we're trying here all right we're gonna get into over-unders now this is another one of my favorite segments you know we go back and forth with the over-unders we got some prediction stuff we've got the burning questions i like these they keep us on track they're pretty fast paced we got some music that goes with them let's do the over-unders chris you can start us off this time all right man i'm gonna dive right into it the michigan offense at least through the air hasn't looked too potent but man on the ground, they've looked unstoppable. They're putting points on the board. I've got the over/under for total points for Michigan set at forty-three and a half. Over. Over. Wow. Okay. Over. I I think Michigan's gonna. I think Michigan's gonna truck stick NIU all day. Be that kind of day, huh? I do. I think okay. the only thing I think that keeps them from getting there is if they just they get up by a lot, like really early, and then yeah. put some subs in. Are you, you know, thinking get, a fifty piece? I. Yep. I got a 50-burger right. in mind. I do. Right. I got a 50-burger in mind. I think they're going to be really dominant running the ball. Their their strength is NIU's weakness. I just think that's a, yeah. I just think that's a bad recipe for tomorrow. I really do. And, and Michigan's confident right now. They're cocky a little bit. It it just feels like it's going to get ugly. I yeah, just I really see that. Sam, I take the over slightly, but I see it being something similar to what we saw week one against Western Michigan when I think they put up 47. So I'll take the over by one by yeah, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a big, big day for the Mason Blue. All right, mine is this music, dude. I'm just trying to find the level <laughs> because it's so loud in my head. And then I'm my mom, back. Called, my mom called me. My mother called me after one of our segments. She was like, "I can't hear you. It's the music." I'm like, "Mom." It's, it's weird because I can hear it. It's really loud in my headphones, yeah. but then on playback, it doesn't seem like it's that loud. <laughs> we got a couple people like, yeah, it's freaking loud. Bro. Let's, let's tone. We're not at the club. Let's tone it down and, a little bit. Side note, if you guys hear stuff like that out there. Please I mean, chime in. Yeah, that feedback to us is crucial. I mean, you know, I know we seem like we've been doing this for years and that we're professionals, <laughs> but we, we need the feedback. Help us out. Yeah, I mean, and I also wonder sometimes, like, 
we're never going to hear how it sounds live. We can right. hear it on playback, but I don't know if it's different between live and playback either. Yeah. Versus my headset. So yeah. appreciate the feedback. Let us know. We'll accommodate, man. We just want it yeah. to be good and have some production value. So anyway, all right. My first one is, and I think this one, this is going to get into some topics that we might touch on a little bit later. Cade McNamara over under 15 and a half throws. 15 wow. and a half okay. passes. Well, is that I'm, that was my next question for you, and I had it set at 21 and a half. So, so <laughs> I just choked. What? Well, I okay. So, are you here, talking the next two weeks? No, 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 no. Here's, oh, my, here's okay. my thinking, right? He threw what 15 passes last week? Yeah. So, I and 11 gotta, in week one, by the way. Right. So, I've got to imagine. That, you know, to get up to 22 attempts is not a stretch. I mean, against Rutgers last year in pretty much a little bit more than a half, he threw about 36 attempts, I think it was. They were also losing. So, they, you know, they were losing. They had to throw the ball. You know what? I'm, I'll am i take the over on 15. I'll even take the over on 21 and a half because I think there's a part of Jim Harbaugh that said, you know what? Those guys over there, what the, those Sports Illustrated guys, the Wolverine Digest <laughs> yeah. guys, the Wing Pump, they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I think we're going to see them over 21 and a half. I oh, might take oh, a dump. I might take a dump right in the middle of the press box if that happens <laughs> tomorrow. I think it's I think it's under because Isn't I think it crazy it's crazy that 22 attempts seems like that far fetched of an idea. Don't get me started, man. Uh, but I think it's good. I think it's because you're going to see a game flow like we did against Western, where they get up and then he's on the bench and you play JJ. Yeah. So I just don't. I just don't think he's going to be in there. enough to throw yeah. it that much. That's true. You know, I mean, maybe at the end both quarterbacks are over that mark. Yeah. I might even still take the under on that if all right. if two or three quarterbacks play. It's still under that. I, Let's put it this I way. Think if 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 he doesn't have that many attempts, you've essentially given yourself one week of live game action before you go up to Madison, where you haven't won in 20 years. So I, I feel like we've hammered this all week. I feel like there's got to be an emphasis on moving the ball and finding out what you have. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with the sentiment. I just don't know. Like after we've seen it for two weeks, I don't see it changing. I'm speaking Harbaugh, it into existence. Jim Harbaugh doesn't come across that way to me. That's all I'll say. <laughs> All right, He's what you got? He's a goddamn well, quarterback. Oh, sorry about that. We can edit are that you gonna, one out. Are you going to skip because you, you had something? I'll you had skip, this yeah. So, okay. I'll, so, so I'll go to the next one. So this is kind of in line with what we were talking about with McNamara. But I'm going to go with all the quarterbacks. So McNamara, McCarthy, even if Valari gets in there. I've got the over-under for passing touchdowns for Michigan set at three and a half. I'm going to say under. I think it's going to be three. I actually think it's okay. going to be three. I think they – Look, they got to try to find something through the air. I, I mean, yeah. you know, he tossed a couple in week one with only throwing the ball, what, 11 times, I think it was. Didn't didn't have a touchdown pass last week. Um, I st- Yeah, I'll take the under. I think it's going to be it's gonna be under. Maybe it's only two, actually, now that I'm kind of talking through it. But I just don't think they're going to throw it. I think yeah. Northern Illinois' run defense is that bad. They're going to be able to run at will, maybe even more efficiently than they did against Washington in – just because you can doesn't yeah. mean you should. Right. I'll go, yep. you know, I'll go under as well. I'm I'm in the same boat. I'll take the under on three and a half because I think I'll give McNamara two and then I can see McCarthy getting one, you know, at some point in garbage time. Hopefully he gets more than garbage time. I know we didn't see him at all last week, but you know, that's something that also factors into that question. Mike Hart said specifically that, you know, Donovan Edwards is gonna get more time out there. I would expect that JJ's gonna get in the game a little bit. So yeah, maybe we won't see uh the uh, 21 and a half or 22 and a half times. 
We call that a segue, Chris, in the business. Donovan Edwards, over or under eight and a half carries. I'm going to say over and for that reason, for, for all the reasons we just said. One, I think that Michigan's going to be able to do whatever they want to do uh, tomorrow against uh, NIU. And I think that Mike Hart, you know, everybody, all, all the running backs were in on the party last weekend. Um, and Donovan Edwards was kind of sitting there, you know, and, and didn't get to eat much. And so based on what Hart said, I can see him getting 10 carries easy. Yeah, Hart easy. said he he said he regretted not getting Donovan Edwards in the game yeah. more and giving him more touches. He's only... Um, He's only played 15 snaps. It's not a lot. So in order for him to get over eight and a half carries, he's going to have to be on the field a lot more. I think he's going to going to get there. I think Mike Hart's going to try to make up for a little bit of lost time last week when they were running the ball so well and they had the game at hand for most of the second half, and he, he didn't really play. Um, I see a couple people in here talking about Donovan Edwards scoring a touchdown. Tony Petrosky, thank you for that comment. Clay Hunter, same thing. It's one of my predictions on the article I put up earlier today, my psychic vibes, my five very specific predictions. One of them was that Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards all get in the end zone tomorrow. Why are we doing that in an article? Why are you not like with a crystal ball in front of you on the live with like the Swami hat and the the cape like that? Strong. We'll talk about about that offline. Strong idea. Yeah, that that might be a drop ball on my part. All right. Well, Uh, what you got? All right. So... We've seen what Blake Corm's done the first two weeks. He looks unstoppable. At this pace, I mean, the dude is, he's going to have put together a pretty stellar Michigan career if he can continue this pace. We've seen him go up over 100 yards rushing the first two weeks. I've got the over-under at 125 yards on Saturday. For Corum? Yeah. Rushing. Yeah, over. Over, 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 over. over. Okay. Yeah, I so think he... Third straight 100-plus rushing yard game for... I'm like, almost certain he pops off another long one. He'll get half of it on one carry. They'll they'll feed him. They'll feed his. They'll they'll feed Haskins. Again, the only thing that I think eats into that is if he just is taken out of the game because they're up by yeah. a lot. You do they make a good point, get, though. You make a good point. I mean, he's gonna. He'll get probably get fifty to seventy on one carry. He's shown that the first two weeks that even he's a ticking time bomb. He's 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 kind of got that little bit that shoelace had right where yeah. he he gets a little bit of a seam. He's gone. So yeah, I'd say over. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the over two for that reason. Uh, we're we're in lockstep here with these topics, at least. We've been slightly yeah. off here and there, but as we've talked about, Michigan's strength is NIU's weakness, the rush offense versus the rush defense. I just talked about what I think is going to happen in terms of how productive those backs are going to be. So rushing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns set at 4.5, four and a half rushing touchdowns. Ooh, I'll take the under. Okay. I'll put him right at four. Okay. Four rushing touchdowns, two or three passing touchdowns, call it a day. So I'll take the under, but slightly. You got? I think I'm going to mm. – I mean, Blake had three by himself last week, right? Yeah. Uh, Hassan. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Hassan had one. I think Donovan, uh, I'm going to go under two. I think you're right. I think it might be at about four. Yeah. Getting five rushing touchdowns is a lot. I mean, if it's going to happen this year, it's tomorrow. But I'll go under by just a shit, man. If I got them scoring a 50-burger, they're going to have to get in there somehow. If I don't have them going through the air, then they're definitely going in on the ground. Maybe it's a a return touchdown. Maybe it's a a pick six. 
I'll go under, though. I'll set it at four. I like that number of just talking through who would have to do what. You know, that's probably two for either Haskins or Corum, one for Edwards. Maybe Danny V gets in there. Thunder Dan comes maybe, in, pushes one in. I'm we'll see. Said, I'm glad you said pick six, though, because that goes in well with, you know, we. Uh, that's what we do. I, I predicted uh, tomorrow that Michigan will get its first pick six tomorrow. And we did this prediction on the defense last week, and I think we were wrong big time. But, you know, McDonald's defense, it looks good so far. I don't think we know fully what we have with it. I still have questions with the corners, especially when they go up against top flight um, talent out at wide out. But for tomorrow for the Michigan defense, I've got the over-under for turnovers at one and a half. Can they get two turnovers tomorrow? Man, you'd like to see it. They haven't had yeah. one yet, right? Have they? Are they didn't they recover I, a fumble, but it was on they, like a fourth down? Right. I think they recovered a fumble. So they've got one takeaway. Um, one mean, and a half. Aiden Hutchinson's playing. Ojabo seems to be kind of settling in. Josh Ross. I'll say yeah, dude. Yeah. NIU's the worst team they're going to play. It, it's Owens time to... 2020. Right. It's time. I know they... they inexplicably beat Georgia Tech in the opener this year. I don't know how that happened. In, in Atlanta. Anyway, yeah. I'll say over. I'll say over. I, I say like Michigan it. gets after it, picks one off, recovers a fumble. Um, I'll say over. I think they do it tomorrow. I think they force a couple turnovers. Mike McDonald has talked about how he wants to do that. It just hasn't happened yet. So I think, you know, you put emphasis on it, you practice it, you try to do it, but it is hard. It's hard. It's hard to take the ball away. Even when you're, you know, a better team. We've seen it two weeks now, two weeks in a row. So I'll go over, yeah. though. I like it. Yeah, same. I'll take the over. Um, What's my next one? Aiden Hutchinson. He's been a man possessed. I think he keeps the streak rolling. I think he keeps the streak rolling. I got Aiden Hutchinson over under a half the sack. So basically you're saying, is he going to get a sack again for the third game in a row? Yes. Yeah, he yeah. will. I see him getting a couple tomorrow. I'll take the over easily. I think, you know, you just watch the way that he plays. I had, it at one, I had it at one and a half at yeah. first. I mean, last weekend, he was tossing people around. I mean, he's I just – he plays football on a different level. I think he gets two sacks easily tomorrow. My only thought is that you've now got two weeks of film watching him do that stuff. Doesn't matter. And NIU just – goes all out to try not to get their quarterback killed. They'll move him around. Him. They'll shift him around. Yeah. You know, that, and, that, and that, I think that's the difference between McDonald and uh, Don Brown is that if, if they start to try to shut him down, they're going to take Aiden Hutchinson and move him to different places on the field. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, I think, I do think NIU throws the kitchen sink at him. You got backs chipping him. You got tight ends on his side. Be you got double teams. I mean, he's, he's a problem. He's starting to show up. In the very, very high, the high end of the first round of NFL mock drafts after just two weeks, um, yeah, I think he gets it. I like I said, I had one and a half, and I might yeah. have taken the over on that, but I'm definitely taking the over at at half a sack. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Are you, you got one left? Or are you done now? Because no, that was that it. Because the quorum. Yeah. Okay, so my last one is is similar to one you had earlier, but it's kind of combining both teams together. So I got the combined points for the whole game at 59 and a half. So I guess, you know, you're kind of factoring in how you think NIU is uh, going to do against Michigan's D. You got it at 59. I'll take the over. I would too. Yeah. Yep. I would too. I think Michigan is going to score a lot of points. Yeah. I think Michigan's going to be in that 50 burger area. And I think, you know, NIU scores a little bit early and then maybe at the end they pick up a, you know, a touchdown late against the backups. 
like we've seen, that happens almost for every team every week. Um, damn, did we have the over on like every single one? I think somebody commented that. No, no, we didn't. No, no, we went. Um, you went under on uh, attempts for McNamara. What else? Under on rushing touchdowns. Under on rushing touchdowns. Over on yeah, the carries. Oh, yeah. yeah, we were we were, yeah. we were pretty split. Pretty split there. I love it, man. I love over-unders. I love taking the questions on people like that. People love it, clearly. A lot of comments in there, a lot of people commenting, and a lot of clapping, a lot of whistling. All right. I mean, we're just, we're just doing over-unders, people. Relax. <laughs> Ladies, please. Ladies, please. Please. All right. Um, I'm excited to watch the game. I mean, it's a noon kickoff, another bad opponent. I mean, I think Michigan will roll, but I'm excited to see how it looks. I mean, I see it before we get into our uh, kind of our last segment where we talk about some national games and then go into Michigan specific prediction and spread and all that stuff. I just want to ask about the, the this this crazy debate that has formed about the passing game versus the running game. It's definitely the hottest topic right now about whether or not you know, what is Cade McNamara does Michigan do the Michigan coaches trust him was it purely just Michigan was doing so well running the ball against Washington that they did, didn't want to try anything else not even a not a shot not a play action look not but my thought on that is they did throw it 15 times and it was bad like I, I just I don't I don't really know how you can slice it any other way. They didn't need it. They won by twenty one. They ran the ball as good as you could possibly ask. I mean, you talked about it with Blake on Monday. It was the first time a Michigan duo went over hundred fifty yards in how long? I mean, uh, I mean, it was only third time in program. third time ever. Okay, yeah. so there you go. So I just wonder, like, you know, what are what are people? Are people? like us are we looking a little too hard at this passing thing or the other end of the spectrum are people blinded by the fact that michigan got a nice win and the running attack was working so well and they just think the passing game is hunky-dory just fine no problem not a thing wrong wouldn't change a thing about it i feel like it's i don't know i feel like it's closer to what we're saying but maybe maybe we're wrong i don't know what are you where are you where are you at when you start thinking about that well let me just say first of all nobody from our side is screaming from the mountaintop that the sky is falling because Michigan hasn't thrown the ball more the first two weeks. But I think you're also being disingenuous. If you don't think that the loss of Ronnie bell in week one had a massive impact on the Michigan passing attack, just look what Ronnie was on pace to do week one against the Broncos. When he went down, the fact that that guy is not on the field, a captain, your leading receiver, you know, the, the, the guy that you can probably count on when the game gets tight. If I got to get the ball down the field, I'm going to try to find Ronnie bell. Cause I know he's experienced. He's done it before he's been in that position we don't know who that guy is on Michigan's roster at the wideout position yet. We know that they've got a tremendous amount of talent out there. I love Cornelius Johnson, AJ Henning, Roman Wilson. I love everything that they're capable of, but the reality is they haven't been put in a situation where they've got to go out and do it on Saturday. And so I think all guys like you and I are saying is 
it would just be advantageous for Michigan to do that before they get to Madison. We know that they can run the ball all day long tomorrow, but doing so isn't going to prove all that much going into the next week. So for me, for my money, again, it's not, it's not a huge issue. It's just, you look at the football game, you're blown away by the rushing attack, but you can't help but notice the discrepancy between the rushing attack and the passing attack. And you got to be a little bit concerned or at least ask, ask questions. And if you're not, uh, you're not being honest with yourself. The idea that they can turn it on when they want. I've heard this before, like, oh, Michigan will just flip the switch when they need it. Like Kay didn't throw because he didn't have to throw. I Ask yourself, when's the last time you saw a Michigan offense that could go out and flip the switch on offense, especially through the passing game? It's been a long time. There's just a lot of different, a lot of different arguments I would present to the whole, eh, they just didn't throw because they didn't have to. The running game was so yeah. good that that's all they needed to do. I just don't see a lot of elite teams approaching games that way. I mean, like, you know, Alabama puts a beat down on some sisters of the poor school every year. And it doesn't look, it doesn't look like, like that. You know, there's, there's big passing plays over the top. You see guys running free in the secondary and quarterbacks having the most efficient day where they, they complete seven passes, but it's yeah. for 208 yards and two touchdowns. I, I, I don't know how you can look at seven of 15 for 44 yards and be like, yeah, it's fine. They'll, they'll get it when they need it. I, I, I just really don't know how you can look at that. And another angle, I'm sorry, fellas, but the track record for Jim Harbaugh and quarterback play and underutilizing wide receivers is well-established. And I, I just don't know how all of a sudden this year, like you said, when you lose your number one guy, that it's just, it's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be Not fine. It's going it. to be better than you've ever seen. There, I just don't know how you can get to that conclusion. I'm not knocking Cade because I don't think they're asking him to do that much. I, I'm more in the camp of like I don't even know what Cade McNamara can do. It's not that I don't. It's not that I don't think he can. I don't know if he can. You know what? That that is a key distinction that I think a lot of people are missing is that it's not so much a doubt of Cade McNamara. It's, it's just not a, a doubt. It's a curiosity. Like you, I just want to see it. Like we saw the game against Rutgers last year and then that's it. We haven't seen him put in a position where he's got to go out and make something happen. So you just want to be able to see it. Like I said, before you get into the meat of the big 10 schedule, you don't want to have to find out that, Oh shit, we've got to turn to Bowman or JJ McCarthy. And now you're already in week six, seven, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe a top 15 team at that point. I just, who am I though? I'm just some guy on a podcast. I'm a nobody, but I feel like you'd want to throw the ball a little bit around tomorrow. Yeah, I was on, I was on the end zone with Jamie Morris yesterday. And before me was Nick Baumgartner. A lot of people in the Michigan market will know who he is. And he said, while I was waiting to come on, he said, he was kind of on the, the opposite side from us. He was, it felt like he was siding a little bit more with the fans who were like, they were running it amazing. You don't need to throw it. Who they cares were. what the throwing looked like? He was kind they of were. more in that camp, but he, and he said something that <clears throat> he said something that made me, I felt like it supported what I'm saying. He was like, what if, okay, Michigan was running the ball really well. And there's some fans out there and some people who said like, okay, running's working really well. It's amazing. We're getting eight yards a pop, but let's try to throw just the throw. And then he said, what if that would have screwed up and you mess around and then you're in a tight game and then you lose to Washington? Then you know you got, then you got a problem. You know you yes. got an issue. Then right? you got and an I, issue. And, I, and, I and you're going to find it out at Wisconsin if you don't. And that, right. that kind of made my argument for me. I'm like, right. that's exactly why you do try to sprinkle it in and you look right. for that balance and you see what you have. You work on some live reps. Like At this point, the five starting linemen have only dropped back to pass pro like 
13 right. times. It's not just about Cade. It's the offensive line. It's it's as a running back being able to block and pass protect. Pick up blitzes. Like, Absolutely. There, there, right. There's there's so many other things that other guys have to get good at when you're going to throw the ball. So it's not just about is Cade ready, is he not ready? But I just, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't get how this idea that Michigan can just turn on the offense whenever they want show me the last time that's ever been the case outside of again. And I go back to this guy all the time, but Denard Robinson was instant offense. You knew at some point you were going to get something from him. It just was a matter of when I can't remember the last time I've ever seen a Michigan offense where I looked at it and was like, that is how you, that's how an offense is supposed to run. That's high potent offense. That's they can put points on the board. They can play with anybody in the country. That's a top 20 offense. I haven't said that in a long time. Give me a one. Give me a one through ten on a confidence scale. Okay, one through ten on a confidence scale. It's. I don't even care who the opponent is. I don't care where the game is. I'm saying, it's it's third and twelve, and Michigan needs to pick up a first down. What's your confidence that they can do that right now? A five. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I'm, I'm maybe 50, a five. On it. That's I, I, so. See, like that's the thing. I'm not a hater. I'm not going to say three. They can't do it. And I'm not going to. I'm not out there, you know, with the pom pom saying it's a ten. Of course they can do it. It's a five because I haven't seen it. I, I just haven't seen enough of it yet. And so I, that's all we're asking is, let's just see some of it because you can. You can. We have all seen this movie before, where Michigan is just dominating through the first portion of the season, and then you get in the meat of the schedule, the wheels fall off, and it's like, what the hell happened? Like. Like you said before, in that point that I think Baumgartner made was, you know, if, if Cade goes out and makes some mistakes and all of a sudden it becomes a game. And I heard other people saying, well, you know, that Washington secondary is probably the best secondary that Michigan was going to face all year. Good. Perfect. Put Cade in that situation. See what he's got, because that's not even a conference game. Believe it or not, you can afford to lose that game and still go and win the Big Ten. So this idea that they're just holding something golden in their back pocket, waiting to break it out for, you know, November 27th and, and destroy Ohio state. We've seen it. If, if there was something uh, in the tank, they would have, they would have pulled it out in 2018, 2019. We would have saw it in 2020. It just hasn't been there. My former colleague, Michael Spath, that's his, that's his, that's his, that's the one that will make his blood boil. The second he hears it is when someone plays that card, like they're just waiting, they're waiting to the unleash secret it. playbook. Oh, they're waiting to <laughs> unleash it. Baby. He's got Harbaugh's got that playbook in a safe What's in that final chapter of the Harbaugh playbook. And he's I not going to break it out until he absolutely has to do it. Smash the glass. Can't wait, dude. Can't wait to see it. No, I mean, we're being facetious and kind of dicks right there, but like, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I just don't know what they can do through the air. And at some right. point, you're going to have fair. to throw the ball. You're not right. going to run for eight yards of carry in Camp Randall. You're not going to run for eight yards of carry against Penn State. Probably not even Michigan State. Not Ohio. Well, Ohio State's been pretty crappy against the run, actually. But the point is, it's balance. You, you've got to be able to do both. If you want to... If you want to run the ball all the time, like we saw against Washington, like we'll probably see again tomorrow and probably a, le a, a good bit against Rutgers, I would think. I mean, we'll see how that game ends up playing out. But you probably can get to seven or eight wins, I think. You know, And then guess what? You lose to every team with a pulse, and it feels right. like every other freaking year that Harbaugh's had. And I just don't I, – I guess if that's like – if that's your if that's your bar, if that's where you're at, you know, winning winning that way, but not at any real high level or any elite status, uh, we'll see. You know what's weird about it is that 
I feel like in a year where so much feels different about the approach, about the way, you know, I mean, hell, even Harbaugh's dressing different. There's no khakis. He's not wearing cleats. Like, the, you know, the coaching staff is younger, more diverse. Like, it just seems like they're doing things differently. But do you this, think, like, speaking this, of, this do, you think, do you think Clink Scale went into Harbaugh's office and was like, bro, you got to. You got, you got to stop with the sweatshirts tucked you into got, the khakis. You got to change that fit up. I, yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I just, I think. <laughs> All the young guys are like, dog, got to figure out. So much, is, so much out. has changed. So much has improved. It seems like, it's just weird to me that, and, and I get it. Week two was an anomaly. You had a you had a team that said, we're going to stop the run. We're not going to let them run. You went out and smashed them in the mouth. You were able to do it all night. And I think that there was a statement there. So I'm not hating on the play calling. I'm not angry about it. I'm not super concerned. I don't think there's a huge problem. I just think that now is the time to maybe start testing out the passing game a little bit, see what you've got. And, and especially in the absence of Ronnie Bell, if you've got to find out who your top guy is going to be, who your most reliable target is going to be, find out against NIU. Don't wait until Madison to figure that out. Absolutely. I'm with you. I think that that is a recipe for disaster. If And, and you know, you can, you can simulate it all you want in practice. Michigan's defense has proven to be pretty good. Mike McDonald switches things up. I'm sure they're getting – Good looks in practice. I'm not doubting that one for one second. Yep. It's not a game. It's not a game. It never will be. Anybody who's ever played or coached sports or done any, you cannot, you cannot recreate a game experience in practice no matter how hard you try. The coaches who can get the closest usually are the best coaches there are. Yep. I, I don't, you know, again, I don't, track records are what they are for a reason. You know, I just, we, we've heard the talks a lot that Jim Harbaugh's not amazing at getting guys up for, for pregame and that, you know, guy that there's been some flat starts. So I just don't think you want to figure that out and find out what you really have in week five against Wisconsin in Madison. I don't and, think and that's the way you go. You don't want to put Cade in that position either. Cade has never, I mean, what's the, what's the most difficult road game Cade McNamara's played in his college career? It's Rutgers. I mean, it's just got yeah. away in an empty stadium. Yeah. So I, you, I mean, behind the eight ball, give him right, credit, but, right, but yes, correct. And, and in an empty stadium. That's the overarching theme of it. it. None of this is Cade McNamara's fault. And I said this in an article I put out, the only thing he's guilty of is doing everything that's been asked for. Him. Yeah. He has literally done everything that's been asked for him. He, he, you know, he's, he, he could have done a little better on some of the throws last weekend, but generally speaking, it's been a solid start for him based on what he's asked to do. I just think they should ask him to do more. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you should should have week one. Certainly had he, an opportunity to do it last do week. More. Yeah, he should want to do more. He should want to be that guy. And God Burning, forbid you got to throw JJ in there in Madison. Burning question right here, Brandon. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, old man mason jar bloody beer. Anybody out there who's a fan of like a Michelada or a Bloody Mary? It's that uh, TFG. That's my that's my <laughs> shit right there. That is it right there. This fucking guy. Drinking the bloody beer. I'm a big fan, man. I've got, dude, I'll get down on the V8s. I'll get down on the tomato I, I juice. I can do that. I've I'll get down it. on the Clamato, bro. I'll get down on all of that. And that's, that's what I'm about I don't understand how right people here. can have meat in a drink. Like, I've seen Bloody Marys that have a oh. a sausage sticking out of the top. Bro, like, I will put a turkey it? leg in this. In no. this dude, See, I'll, I'll uh, you're swear. one of those? Dude, I, I'll... I'll pull up. I'll pull up to a Bloody Mary bar, and that thing will look like a bouquet of flowers coming out of there. Pork roast hanging off. Dude, I love it. I'll do it all. I'll throw anything. I'll throw a donut in here, dude. I don't care. So disturbing. Love it, man. Anybody you else? Your Bloody Marys. Anybody else who's on the on the Bloody Mary wave? You let me know because I'm all about it. All right. You ready to put your money where your mouth is, Chris? 
always placing some bets placing some bets if you guys want to get rich disclaimer this isn't real get rich follow us i should have brought the baby powder so i could have done it like ashy larry put your put your house up and i'm totally kidding jeez louise i hope nobody's (laughs) actually listening to us i mean i uh i like to there's another loud music i'm sure we're gonna hear about it turn it down um i like to dabble i like to dabble in the sports world um, so these Just are tell all the people the at. truth. You're a degenerate. We know you gamble. I think the biggest bet I've made so far during football season is five dollars. Yeah, but when you bet five dollars a thousand times, it becomes yeah. a problem. I actually hit like a four or five leg parlay the other day. Five dollars turned into like sixty-five. Pretty cool. I was pretty happy about that. That was an NFL. That was an NFL parlay. All right, here we go. Placing our bets. Decided to do this in a ranked only matchups because otherwise we're kind of trying to figure out pick and choose what are we going to talk about what are we not um and you have to make a pick chris you have to make a pick damn i forgot to take that what am i drinking thing off there all right the first one we're going to talk about is number one alabama going to the swamp to play number 11 florida alabama is favored by 14 and a half in that one where are you yeah. putting your money at? Place your bets, Chris. I'm putting my money on Alabama. I just don't – I don't believe in Florida. I don't trust in Florida. Um, and in some weird way, I view Florida – maybe it's because they play every time there's a bowl game, but I view Florida in the same way that I view Michigan, that it's it's a program that should be humming along and, and you know, competing for an SEC title every single year. But they seem to drop the ball uh, when it matters most. So I'll take Bama. I think if I was putting – that's a big number. That's a pretty big number for like basically a top Bama. 10 matchup. It's it's, yeah. it's also Bama. Basically a top 10 matchup and Bama's the visiting team. It's a pretty big number. But I think I'm with you. I think I'd put my money on the on the Crimson Tide to win by 15 or more. They're just a machine, dude. Every time you watch them, you're just like, God, dude, they're so good. How boring is it? Like, I, I feel like if you're like when I hear about a five star recruit, like, oh, he's committed to Alabama. Like, Jesus, isn't that like? Granted, maybe it's more boring for us because we don't we're not trying to get to the NFL. But man, I'm just so sick and tired of Alabama. Nick Saban apparently says D's nuts to his players. That's pretty cool. Did you see that? That I do like Nick Saban. I'll admit it. One of the funniest answers I think I've ever heard from a press conference from a player. Can you tell us any quips about Nick Saban? He's like, ah, he says like, suck D's <laughs> or suck on D's. And I'm like, wait, what? What did you just say? I just make Saban so much more likable. Hilarious. Love it. All right, we're both on the Crimson Tide. Put your money up. Place your bets, Chris. Arizona State, number 19 in the country, traveling to number 23, BYU. I'm guessing you're not an expert on these two teams, but ASU is favored by three and a half. Remember, ASU beat Michigan State a couple years ago. They've got that dual threat quarterback, Jaden Daniels. What, What do you got? What do you got here? Arizona State minus three and a half. They're the road team traveling to BYU. Pretty different styles here, these two teams. The Mormons are tough. The Mormons are tough. I uh, I don't know, man. It's something about BYU. I think that isn't their stadium like out in the mountains. It's like beautiful. It's it's scenic. It is. It's, you know, it's kind of tucked Bravo. away there. I, yeah, I. You know, I'm gonna go with BYU. I'm gonna go with BYU. I might I be mean, inclined to. I might be inclined to Mormons. slap some down on the money line for them to win that game straight up. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. they're they're the three and a half point dog, but they're home. 
They take care of the ball. They, they grind it out a little bit more. You know, Arizona State's like a boomer bust kind of team. They've got some explosive players, and, yeah. but I, and they've got some what they've got some. Well, they have some turmoil going on there too. Like they got There's some trouble. Herb Edwards, yeah, yeah. They got, I don't know some violations I think I, or something like that. I think yeah. I'd look at BYU there. I think I'd look at BYU there. I'll do. I if I was going to actually put some money down on that one, I would do a little bit more digging, a little more research. But first instinct is to go with the Cougars and, and have them not only cover, but I think win the game. Yeah, I think they win the game as the home team. Right, yep. All right, we're talking about this one a little bit. We already mentioned it, but we'll talk about the spread a little bit more. It's number twenty-two Auburn at number ten Penn State. Penn State is favored by five in Happy Valley. It's I'm going to take one. Auburn. I'm going to yeah? take Auburn because I do think it's going to be tight. Uh, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think, you know, I could see it coming down. Like, like we've seen that scene before. It's it's nighttime in Happy Valley. It's a whiteout, and the field goal kicker comes out to, you know, to, to sort of do the improbable or to win the game or whatever. And I, I see it going that way. So I see a three-point victory for Penn State. I'll take the other I think I'm going to Auburn too. I don't trust Sean Clifford. I just I don't he's always been like he's he's started for a couple of years now. Yeah. I don't really know what he's good at. I'm like, how are he's you the starting quarter? How are you the starting is. quarterback at Penn State? I don't know. Yeah. Penn State by five. I you know, the the picture you just painted, Mr. Art art artist over there painting pictures. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, if you ever want a commissioned art piece, you hit up Chris Bryler. he will get you right. It'll only take me a year to get it done. <laughs> but the picture you painted about like the kicker trotting in, I, I, that's the, that one. would be, yeah, that would be like Mr. A one, Alden a one. on the edge of his seat. Like, you, know, <laughs> right, you, got right. the, you got the, uh, that'd be your one, two or three point win right there. As the, as a, the clock expires, I think I'm with you. I think I go with Auburn. I think Penn state wins, but I think it's yeah. a close win for them. And, and Auburn tucks up, sneaks up into that five point. And it's James Franklin's player. final whiteout victory and happy Valley as head coach. Ooh, mark Penn it down, mark it down. All right. And we close with Northern Illinois traveling to the big house to take on number 25, Michigan. Sorry the about spread, your luck. The spread is 26 and a half. It's a fat number. Where are you going? Place I'm your taking bet. Michigan. Yeah. I'm taking Michigan. It's going to be Michigan all day. I mean, again, they're going to be able to do whatever the hell they want to do. The only question is, what are they going to choose to do? But they're going to move the ball. They're going to put the, point, the ball in the end zone. They're going to put points on the board. I take Michigan. 26, you said, or 26 and a half? 26 and a half. It's yeah, a big number, but I'm taking them to yep. – Michigan historically not great against the spread, but this year they've been whooping ass. They were favored by 17 and a half over Western. They won by 33. They doubled it. They were favored by six and a half over Washington. They tripled it. Won by 21. I think they're going to put a 50 burger. I think it's going to be like a 30 or 40 point win. I yeah. I think they cover against NIU. I think Northern Illinois is going to struggle mightily all day to stop the run. I think maybe they get the passing game going a little bit, hit a play over the top. Like we talked about, some turnovers forced potentially there. I think Michigan covers the week in a row with another big number. I mean, I thought 17 and a half was pretty big in week one. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if I had them covering that week or not. I had them covering against Washington. I actually had them winning that game by 10, 31 to 21. And obviously they, they blew the doors off of that with a 21 yeah. point win. So. Well, based on what we've seen from Michigan's rushing attack and given what we heard about NIU's rush defense, 
the recipe is set up for the over pretty comfortably. It's going to be stinky. It's going to be a stinky one, I think. I think they're going to win pretty easily, and we're going to see. Oh, we got a question about your drinking preferences now here, Chris. As much as I hate to admit it, it's Chardonnay. Man, I had to say it. I had to say it live. Vote now. Vote now. What's worse? What's worse, Bloody Mary or Chardonnay on the pod? I saw a glass of Chardonnay. Vote now. All right, let's finish up here. A couple more things, and then we'll... We'll get out of here. I call my son that sometimes. That's hilarious. A little fancy boy when he does something like that. I don't don't even know what when I would, but I have called him that. All right. I was asked this today. I was asked this today when I was on. uh, Got a a chance to sit down and talk to Braylon Edwards, man. That's always cool. I mean, like, I know he's like a media guy now and he's out of the league and he's just kind of a dude, but dude was a legend. Absolute legend. He's about our age, I think, right? I mean, Go so to as, as we're coming up watching Michigan as as young college kids fans, like he's just you know dominating. It's number three overall pick. It's cool. It's still cool to talk to a dude like that. And they asked me a couple of good questions. I was on there with him, Ryan Armani, and Tom Masway on uh, Woodward Sports. Pretty cool little spot they got over there. Um, what is your biggest? What's your biggest surprise position group so far through two games? My answer was pretty easy. When you're talking about a group, but yeah, what do you? Where would you go first? Instinct first. I would first say the step. offensive line. Yeah, I mean, that's I've been, what I I've said been, too. You look at the success of the the running backs, and obviously all the you know all the eyes and the attention go to guys like Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. But you know there were a lot of questions about the offensive line. Just you know not only in terms of how good were they going to be, but who was going to start up there? Who were the guys going to be? And you know it looks like Sharon Moore's got those guys up and running. It looks solid. Um, you know, I know that Blake Corum gives them a ton of credit week in and week out for the mm-hmm. success that he has. And so for me, yeah, the position group that's been the most pleasant surprise so far, the old line hands down. It was the easy answer for me too. And I, I just, <clears throat> I cannot heap enough credit on Sharon Moore because yeah. I, I just, I loved him as a coach, loved him as a recruiter. He's one of the guys I've known personally more than anybody else on the staff from when he was at CMU. And I, I just, I've known him talked to him, bumped into him and his wife when my wife and I were buying our house. I know he lives somewhere over here near me. He's got a little girl that's close to my son's age. I mean, he's just a dude that I've gotten to know a little bit more than anybody else on the staff by a lot. Love everything about his personality. Super smart guy, climbing the climbing the uh, the ranks, now an assistant offensive coordinator. And I just thought there would be growing pains. Going yeah. from a guy like Ed Warner, whatever whatever your opinion was of Ed Warner, the dude could coach an O-line in his sleep. And, you know, he's been coaching O-line literally about as long as Sharon Moore's been alive. I think Sharon's, you know, a year or two younger than than you and I. So he's just he's a rising star. I think he's done incredible. Wait a minute. Sh- Sharon Moore's younger than we are? I think he's like 35. Yeah, pretty sure. Yep. That blows yep. my mind. All right. So there you go. Um, but I think those guys have bought in in, in a way that I kind of saw that coming, but I don't know if I know. I, I don't know if I knew it would have as big of an effect that it's. It seems yeah. to have had. They've ran the ball incredibly well. They all they they just they just gush about each other. You know yeah. the the O linemen about each other. The praise on Zach Zinner. The praise on Andrew Vistaris. The praise on Chuck Villiaga, who's not even starting anymore. Like it's just been across the board, and I think that speaks to exactly the kind of coach that Sharon Moore is and what he's got out of those guys. And obviously they're. They're manhandling people the way they've run the ball. So it was an easy answer for me there. And then the last one, man, before we get ready to get out of here as we approach an hour, um, you know, 
who's somebody name one player that you want to see take it up a notch you know somebody that through two weeks you thought you'd see more from and you haven't yet and that you think you're gonna need to when the season starts getting into the big 10 play in the big 10 play is Cade magnamare just the easiest target there you know, that's and, not actually who I said, but I don't. That's not a bad answer. I, I don't. I, the thing about that is, I don't think he has much of a choice in the matter, so it's hard to put it on him. But I do want to see more from Cade. I'm excited about the upside. I'm excited about the potential, but I'm also extremely concerned about whether or not he's got what it takes to, to make it through the meat of the, the schedule. So, in, as far as the one person I got to see more from, it's hands down Cade McNamara. I actually said, and it's. I mean, it's it's. It's like no fault of his own, but I want I I said Cornelius Johnson. I'm ready for that someone was, like him yes. to step up in Ronnie Bell's absence and be a junior, be a leader, be the big body guy who can also run and you know go up and make the contested catch. You mentioned some of those things earlier. Late in the game, you got to throw it to somebody. Who are you looking for? It was Ronnie before. Who is it now? I think it needs to be Cornelius Johnson. Some people may say you know Dalen Baldwin's going to be that guy, but he's brand new. He's just he's brand new. Haven't seen him much. He was a little hurt. He was dinged up dealing with something. He came in, made the big play for JJ in the first game. Um, but I think Cornelius Johnson is a guy we've heard a lot about. He's he's a really talented kid. He's super, super smart and just kind of seems to be the obvious choice to step into a leadership role with Ronnie Bell out. Maybe it is Dalen Baldwin. I mean, he's, he's the old head of the group, but he's brand new to Michigan, so you wonder how that's going to look, but that's that's where I went when I answered the question was to was to CJ man Cornelius Johnson, who showed some flashes a couple times last year that he can be a big play guy, you know at six three two ten can run, break tackles. It just sucks that Ronnie Bell's out, man. Every time you talk about this team and what yeah. kind of is ailing the offense a little bit, you can't help but be bummed out for him and what was what was going to be a really really big year for him. So that's, well, let me that's say where this, I went. If 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 it is Cornelius Johnson, if he's ultimately going to be the guy that's in that position, right now he's tied as the leading receiver on the team with three receptions through two games. So if Cornelius Johnson is going to be your go-to guy, you got to get him the damn ball. I mean, he's got to have more than, what, one and a half receptions per game. You just got to get the ball in his hands so that when those times come, when it's Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, He's, he's he's familiar with getting the ball in his hands in a stadium full of a hundred thousand people. Just I know. I said <laughs> one of my predictions last week was that he would catch five balls. I'm like, <laughs> that seems like, uh, that seems crazy at this point. It does. It, it doesn't seem like. Five. It doesn't seem like. Can we go the whole season without a wide receiver catching five passes in a game? Is that even at, at, at this rate? Yes. Very. Is easy. that even possible? Uh, I don't know. Good in the win. It was just. Time. It was just so far off. Like after you watch the game, you're like, God, you know, we came back on Monday and we'll do that again on Monday for my predictions that I made the, that I made this week. Um, let's mention those real quick. We're probably going to run out of music here, but that's all right. I'm just going to mention them. We're not going to discuss. We're not going to say a word, but it's something to chew on as we get ready to watch the game tomorrow. And then we will talk about them on Monday. Aiden Hutchinson will record another sack. Cade McNamara will throw less than 15 passes. Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, and Donovan Edwards will all score a touchdown. A.J. Henning will have a punt return of at least 30 yards, and Michigan will cover the 26.5-point spread. There you have it. We will there be live from the stadium tomorrow afternoon. 
lock in, tune in, tap in. We'll be ready to roll. We'll talk about some things before and after the game, and then we'll be back. We will be back for a full episode on Monday. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks a lot, everybody out there for listening. See ya.